Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clean. And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> All right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Welcome, everyone, to episode 223 of the NBA podcast. I'm Brian Taporic, and today we are going to check in on all four of the conference semifinals series. We're going to start with Toronto Philly, and then we'll hit uh, Milwaukee Boston, Denver Portland, and we'll wrap up with Warriors Rockets. We're recording this on Friday, just to give you an idea of when we're taking part in this series. Uh, before we get underway, a reminder that you can follow us on Twitter, at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find our Twitter handles to give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. And we're now being hosted on Spreaker, so check them out on Twitter, at Spreaker. Joining me today, as always, is my very stable genius of a co-host, Morton Jensen. How's it going, Mort? It's going well, Brian, but I'm not doing as well as Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> is he doing well? He's kind of doing well. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, he personally is doing well. The rest of his teammates are not. Well, shh, we're not talking about that. We're talking about Kawhi specifically. Yeah. I did see he went for some 1 a.m. Uh, consolation cookies last night, which is pretty hilarious. <laughs> he, he, he and Kyle Lowry in the mean streets of Philly were... Uh, binge eating cookies oh. to drown their feelings so so basically he i have to at least guess here Kawhi took kyle out for cookies <laughs> to let him know easily you know you're right. you're not gonna get any more shots this series yeah i'm it, gonna take everyone it was the it's not you it's me but really yeah. it's you breakup yeah. talk just yeah with, i think so mm-hmm, with <laughs> so can we jump into this immediately because i i've been dying to talk to you about this okay oh. last summer oh. Uh-huh. Yeah, last summer when the when the Raptors traded for Kawhi, right? Mm-hmm. We, you and I, we talked about what should they do with Kyle Lowry. Should yeah. they keep? Should they keep him, or should they move him because he was kind of upset about the whole Demar Derozan thing? Plus, he hadn't stepped up in the playoffs. Yada yada yada. And you and I were like, "Well, let's see how it goes." Uh-huh. And then he played fairly well in the regular season, and now once again in the playoffs, he's looking like. Well, not Kyle Lowry, which just begs the question, Brian, is he solely a regular season player? I don't think it's necessarily fair. I just think, I mean, we brought this up prior to the series. Philly's size was one of the big advantages here. The right. smallest guy in the rotation mm-hmm. is J.J. Redick now because T.J. McConnell hasn't gotten minutes outside of garbage time in the series. So Kyle Lowry, who I think you said was generously listed at like six one, there's just no place to hide him defensively, and it's hard for him. Like Jimmy Butler has been on him for the last two games. It's hard for him to get going as a scorer against 
a guy who has all defensive team potential and is seven inches bigger than him. I don't I, I don't disagree with that at all. Even so, you still have some sort of you know a level of expectation when you're dealing with an all star player. Yeah. So while I get that, I I still think to some extent that if you're angling to keeping Kawhi, which let's be honest, you know Toronto is absolutely in on Kawhi and should be mm-hmm. because that's just logical then you should have foreseen this like you've had so many years with Lowry in the fold so if you know that size messes him up in the playoffs yeah like then it shouldn't come as a surprise right I mean so let's get into just what's happened in the series in general because the, the tenor after game three last night is a complete 180 from what it was after game one this past Saturday you know mm-hmm. like in game one, Kawhi scores 45, Pascal Siakam scores 29. The Raptors didn't need all that much from anyone else. It was 108-95, and it wasn't as close as the final score would indicate. I mean, it looked like the Raptors were just going to blow the Sixers out of the water in this series. Game two, Jimmy Butler turns into James Butler, as Brett Brown <laughs> says. Uh, it was the adult in the room, which is one of my favorite phrases of his. You know, they, they got out a low-scoring game. It was 94-89. Joel Embiid's hobbled by gastroenteritis, or as he called it, the shits, uh, in his <laughs> post-game press conference. Which, Remember to bleep that. No, no, it was a direct quote. So, uh, oh, that, yeah, true. That is, that's saying. And I just loved Jimmy's reaction in the post-game press conference when Joe says that, and he's just like, Joe, Joe, <laughs> don't get in trouble. Um so, yeah, I mean, it was a close game. Then they come back to Philly last night for game three, and it's just an absolute rout. I mean, the thing is, it was close enough. Like, the Raptors kept it within striking distance up until the fourth quarter, but it never, like, I mean, I was nervous the whole time because I'm just that type of person, but, like, it felt worse than it was score-wise, even through the first three quarters, and then... The fourth quarter just comes and, you know, they go on like a 21-2 run. Joel Embiid is windmill dunking and airplane riding down the court and doing the <laughs> Allen Iverson cup to the ear thing. Uh, I mean, they fed off, the crowd fed off them. They fed off the crowd. It was, it escalated very quickly. So I think like, honestly, my biggest surprise in this series through three games is Brett Brown. I, you know, he entered the playoffs under a lot of pressure. There was a lot of speculation that if they don't make the Eastern Conference Finals, he's getting fired, which, you know, I, I've long said that was unfair, but yeah, that's kind of what team owner Josh Harris implied, even what Elton Brand kind of implied heading into the playoffs. Through three games, I mean, they got shellacked in game one, and then he comes out in game two, totally changes his defensive scheme. He moves um, Ben Simmons on Kawhi, and he puts Embiid on Siakam, and Kawhi's getting his numbers. But it's been a lot more difficult for him the last two games. And then in game three, you figure, you know, they, they show that look in game two, okay, Toronto's going to counter. So in game three, the Sixers counterpunch the counterpunch, or the expected counterpunch, by going back to the original game one matchups in the first half and then going to the game two matchups in the second half. So it just seems like Brown has done a really good job keeping Nurse off balance in this series. That said, I do think there are some somewhat obvious counters that we can we should expect from Nurse in Game Four. But what do you what do you think Nurse can do moving forward? I mean, Kawhi's been great, 
Siakam right. has been mostly, I mean, he's struggled with Embiid's length the last two games, but he's been the second best player on the Raptors by far. Yeah. Lowry has been, I mean, he was abysmal in game three. He, right. he put up 20 points in game two, but it was on 7 of 17 shooting. It was somewhat inefficient. And Marcus All, I mean, they're, they're guarding Marcus All with Tobias Harris the last two games. Like, yeah. he's been doing nothing. So what, and that's where Arnold started. <laughs> yeah, so like, what do they need to do to get those two guys going? I mean, look, I, I know it's old-fashioned. Get him into the damn post. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if he has Tobias Harris on him, that, that should be barbecue chicken, right? I agree. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I feel like they're goading them into that because I think they, the Sixers are probably thinking, like, we can live with Gasol eating in the post if it means Kawhi and Siakam aren't going nuts from all over the floor. But, like, Gasol's also a really good passer, too. So if you just have him operating out of the post but as a passing hub as well, it feels like they should be able to generate easier looks than they have been. Like, Kawhi is just hitting a bunch of really well-contested twos, and he's nailing mm-hmm. them because he's an absolute robot. But they're they're having to work too hard for this offense. And then when he goes to the bench, I think Micah Adams tweeted out the stat where they're just getting, like, absolutely annihilated every time Kawhi steps off the floor. Right. Here's why. Only three players, and I'm being very, very generous when I'm saying this because I'm including Jody Meeks, who's played a grand total of 11 minutes, (laughs) Uh are shooting over 40% from the field in this series, (laughs) for for Toronto's sake. If you remove Kawhi from the equation, I haven't really done the numbers, then then it's it's really bad because Kyle Lowry, 35% shooting. Danny Green, 36%. Marc Gasol, Serge Ibaka, and Norman Powell all at a very, very lean 30%. And then you have Fred Van Vliet. Man, 63 minutes, 1 of 11, 0 for 7 from downtown. He has 4 points. He's shooting 9% from the field. Yeah. I, I, mean, just, I just did the math. Without oh, remove Kawhi, the yeah. Raptors as a team are shooting 36.4%. There we go. So here's the thing. If you're Nick Nurse, right, and you even make the adjustments, but people just or players just aren't making shots, should that count against you as a coach? I don't think so. No, I mean, for Nurse, I feel like he did make the one adjustment. At you know the first two games, he wasn't really matching Gasol's minutes with Embiid, and Embiid's trouble with Gasol is well documented. I mean, he seemed to figure something out in Game Three, but mm-hmm. he did. Nurse did do a better job matching Gasol's minutes with Embiid in Game 3. It's just these these Siakam-Lowry three bench lineups, every time they come out on the floor, the Sixers just annihilate them. But I don't know what you can do necessarily. I guess just you have to stagger it so one of... I mean, no, because like... (laughs) I was going to say stagger it so one of Kawhi and Siakam is on the floor at all times, but Siakam is on the floor in those lineups, and they're still getting Mm -hmm. blitzed. And even... In that fourth quarter, when they started that run, it was Siakam, Lowry, and Gasol all on the floor at the same time. It was just Kawhi wasn't there, and the Sixers, you know, the Raptors couldn't generate any offense, and the Sixers finally got their transition game going, and it was off to the races. Well, of course, because the team they had on the court shot 36%. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like, shot-making. You know, (laughs) you you and I talk about schemes a lot, but but shot-making when it comes down to it. It's, it's just so crucial. Yeah. Like, you can just turn a game by making a th- few shots in a row. Like, you've been you've been on this point so many times before. Like, one bench guy can come in and just 
change the whole entire identity of a of a series by having one good game that swings the series, right? Right. And 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 right now we're seeing you know Kawhi trying to be that player. Not not that he's ever a role player. He's obviously a super duper star, but he's he's turned it into high gear. Like he's trying to swing this series. Unfortunately, the attention that he gets, no one else seems to be able to feed off of that as well. I mm. wonder if that's on Nurse or if it's just on on you know the players not being able to hit their shots. Whatever it is, it's it hasn't worked, and Philly's in the driver's seat, which is not a sentence I thought I'd say <laughs> going into the series. I really, ha- I mean, but I but I'm glad about something. There's something I'm really happy about. People were just crapping so much on Jimmy Butler mm-hmm. for a long time, mm-hmm. like he's not the same player, and yeah. you know, I I get the whole you know he's not a good person thing or whatever, like not a good teammate. Yeah, thing. locker room cancer, all that stuff. Yeah, all that I, I I get it, but people's you know turned it into him not being a good player anymore. That was always, always, you know, a bad take. And he's proving this. He's mm-hmm. proving it night in and night out. He's playing tough defense. He's switching and switching and switching. He's playmaking. He's getting to the line. He's doing everything. I mean, what more do you want out of him right now? Here's how you know the sentiment has turned on Jimmy Butler. Because Spike Askin, who co-hosts the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast... He's been long saying, like, Jimmy Butler's a role player. Don't max Jimmy. Last night during the game, he was like, screw it. It's not my money. Pay him whatever you want. (laughs) I actually think I saw that tweet. Yeah, Yeah. it was good. Uh, On the Brown note, I want to shout out Adam Spinella of the Basketball Writers, who had a really good article heading into Game 3, kind of about the adjustments uh, Brown had made going forward. And speaking of the Basketball Writers, Mort, Are you tired of clickbait, ads, pop-up videos, talking head hyperbole, big market bias, and data selling? Are you tired of soap operas, wild speculation, and unnamed sources? Are you tired of padding the stats of CEOs and shareholders while your favorite content creators get paid pennies for their work? At bballwriters.com, they are too. That's why they created the Basketball Writers. At bballwriters.com, they concentrate on just the game and everything they love about it. NBA, WNBA, EuroLeague, Fantasy Basketball, The Draft, and many more corners of the Hoops universe they're soon to explore. All in one place on a blazingly fast, clean site that lets you choose which writer to directly support while still enjoying all the content from their whole team. Elevate the conversation, elevate the game. They'll see you at bballwriters.com, and don't forget to enter the code THENBAPOD for 10% off your annual, monthly, or daily subscription. That is the NBA Pod for 10% off. You can find, I've got an article going up tomorrow there about uh, the Timberwolves and their new president of basketball operations. And I crap on Andrew Wiggins for 500 words. So more, you'll like it in particular. Aww. See, <laughs> I have had an effect on you over the past couple of years. <laughs> you have. Um, so let's go back to finish up Raptors Sixers. So I think one of the, the key adjustments, if I'm Nick Nurse, the thing I'm doing, I'm putting Kawhi on Jimmy. I'm putting Basco- Pascal on Ben. Because I think you need to cut the head off the snake basically and his goal with Kawhi on Ben was Kawhi could play off of him and go in a free safety role but Zach Lowe tweeted something really interesting today basically said like Ben's usage rate has plummeted in the playoffs and he's basically turned into the Sixers version of Draymond Green which is like kind of the perfect role for him if you think about it because like Jimmy is just so much more effective as a pick-and-roll ball handler than Ben just because of the shooting threat. So I think you need to stop that action. I think you'd much rather live with Ben killing you than Jimmy. But also, you have 
two elite defenders, you can just stop both of them and make Tobias Harris create, which again, he like he can. I'm not saying this is a perfect solution. I mean, there's there's a non-zero chance you do this and Tobias goes off for 30, but what you're doing clearly in game three especially did not work. I think you do need to try something else. And much like the Sixers after game one, like we have two elite, elite defenders with good size in Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Let's put them on the Raptors' two best players and force these other guys to beat us. So I think that's if that if I'm nurse, that's where I'm going in Game Four. Right, I I would concur with that. Um, so the thing is, uh, regarding the Ben Simmons Draymond ideology, mm-hmm. you're right. The fact that Ben is not the primary, you know, pick and roll initiator, has opened up the court for Philly. Yeah, absolutely. And we've been saying that for a while now. Like it but <laughs> Jimmy's not like a great three point shooter. Like I think he's hitting like twenty eight percent from the series. Yeah. So it's not like he's he's some knockdown shooter like Reddick. Right. But just the fact that he's somewhat of a threat and he's got the you know, the the ability to pull up for those mid range jump shots. Like he's had a a ton of them, I feel. Yeah. Like when he's getting off a pick and he slips into that fifteen, seventeen foot area, like he's dropping them. Mm-hmm. So that just opens up the entire court. And and Simmons being able to, to lean back a little bit. And by the way, there's a stat to support Zach Lowe's claim here. Simmons has one free throw attempt in 115 minutes this series. Uh-huh. I mean, he's he's leaning back, playing defense, rebounding, play initiating. You know, it's it, you're right. If he's ever if he's going to be a souped up version of Draymond, like suddenly that changes the entire identity, I wanna say, of the of the Sixers. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the decision to install Jimmy not only as the backup point guard against the Nets, but he's taken over a lot of the primary ball handling, and it's helping Ben save energy for defense, where, again, Kawhi's killing it. I mean, he's mm-hmm. he's the—I know Brett Brown said, you know, he felt like Joel Embiid, or he has the best player in the series in Joel Embiid. Kawhi's averaging almost 38 points a game in this series. Like, yeah. it's— they're not going to stop him but if they can make like difficult for him which they somewhat have in the past few games in large part thanks to ben that is a win and they're trying to force Kawhi into being a playmaker rather than a scorer which he is he can do it he's just not he doesn't make those decisions quickly enough especially in a playoff setting so right you'd rather have him shoot if you're you know, Nick Nurse, then you yeah. want him playmate. Yeah. Right. I, I also think Kawhi just needs to take 35 shots in game four. Like, I know it's, he's trying to be unselfish and the Raptors are trying to be egalitarian. But if Lowry and Gasol don't have it going early, Kawhi literally, like, he kept them in it in that third quarter. I think he had 14 points on six of six shooting. And, like, again, all of these are, or most of them at least, were, like, hand in the face, mid range jumper, three pointer, right. like, hard shots and he's just nailing them he just i mean he needs to know like i am the alpha and the omega for my team right now because for whatever reason these role players are not getting it done and like our best chances if i take over he's gonna look so good in the clippers jersey next year so good this is oh man yeah the only person who is happier about this series than sixers fans is steve ballmer yeah (laughs) 
Your family is special. That's why Pathways Financial Credit Union offers many mortgage options to help you buy that special home or refinance your current home. Pathways offers some of the best rates and lowest fees you'll find anywhere in the country. As the fastest growing credit union in Ohio over the last 10 years, you know you can trust our mortgage professionals to do what's best for you. Visit one of our convenient locations or check us out at pathwayscu.com. Offer of credit is subject to credit approval. Pathways is an equal opportunity lender and is federally insured by the NCUA. Your family is special. That's why Pathways Financial Credit Union offers many mortgage options to help you buy that special home or refinance your current home. Pathways offers some of the best rates and lowest fees you'll find anywhere in the country. As the fastest growing credit union in Ohio over the last 10 years, you know you can trust our mortgage professionals to do what's best for you. Visit one of our convenient locations or check us out at pathwayscu.com. Offer of credit is subject to credit approval. Pathways is an equal opportunity lender and is federal insured by the NCUA. All right, let's move to Bucks Celtics. It is tied 1-1 going into tonight. The Celtics just blew the Bucks out of the water in game 1, and then the right. the Bucks came roaring back in game 2 and blew the Celtics out of the water. So it's it's hard to get a feel for this series uh just because, you know, they haven't really been close games either way. It's just the Bucks played very poorly in game 1 and the Celtics Mm. were not great in game two. Um, so what do you expect moving forward from this one? Much of the same for Boston, really. I think they, they did a wonderful job in game one with Horford on Giannis inside. Mm-hmm. Like, Horford just ate his lunch. Yeah. And he, he, that, that you know, he had the double block on Giannis when oh. he was outreached. Like, that was just incredible. Yeah. And... You know, Giannis didn't really shoot particularly well in Game 2. So, I mean, he did have a bounce-back game. Mm-hmm. But he hasn't had a game yet against this team where he's downright efficient. Right. That's a concern to me. I mean, if you're a Bucks fan out there and you're, <laughs> you are you have one horse you can really bet on consistently. Because, you know, as much as we love Chris Middleton and he's been awesome this series, especially from, from downtown. Right. You know, he is a guy that can't be taken out of a ball game somewhat easier at least on paper than Giannis mm-hmm. so far the opposite has been true and that's the one guy you just you can't you, you cannot live uh, or win this series without Giannis and him being affected inter- from an interior perspective is it's just such a such a bad look that when he I, I have this thing whenever I see a box court with Giannis and he has to take like five threes you know what's up yeah. like it's because he can't get it going inside and to his credit, like he's knocked them down, but it, <laughs> yeah, that that interior presence is just not being established. So, I I would like them to just for, force feed him initially, and try to get Horford in in foul trouble. Yeah, I think that's that's the way to go. And then when Aaron Baines or Daniel Tice or whoever comes in, or they move Marcus Morris to center, whatever, just take the Joel Embiid route. Just mm-hmm. follow the guy's ass out as right. soon as possible. I think that's the only way you can go forward. Now, I will say as much, Giannis did try to do that in game one. He really tried. He just got denied. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I, I, I'm i not going to make a comment on the officiating because I think there were just bad calls all throughout game one. We'll save that like, for Rockets Warriors. Oh, <laughs> no. I mean, no, but, but my point is, I don't, I mean... I think Giannis got screwed. I think the Celtics got screwed on a lot of the calls. So I'm not like leaning towards one particular team getting, the, you know, a certain benefit. Yeah, it was just a badly called game one. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so hopefully we see a Giannis breakout game. I would like to see that. Yeah, 
I think you're right. Like, he was much more aggressive in Game 2, and that was, you know, I, Bud coming out of Game 1 was just like, we need to play harder, which is what Nick Nurse said after Game 3 last night for the Raptors, mm. too. It's just like, we don't need to change anything, necessarily. We just didn't, like, Boston outplayed us in terms of effort. Now, that was a complete smokescreen because the Bucks. You know, we we talked about going into the series. They've been playing this drop coverage with Brooke Lopez all year. It's really effective because it limits looks at the rim, and they've tried to prevent corner threes, and they're all about forcing mid-range shots. Well, the Celtics are really good at mid-range shots. They have a lot of guys who can hit that. Horford, Kyrie, Jason Tatum. So in game one, that's what they did. They just picked them apart from mid-range, and they got a bunch of open threes, a lot of above-the-break threes, and Al Horford as always in the playoffs, just turns into like super megazord Al Horford. Um, in game two, though, they started switching everything and it started to fluster Boston a little bit. So Bud's whole like we're not making adjustments thing was some nice gamesmanship from him. I liked it because, you know, that that has long been one of the criticisms criticisms of him is that he isn't very adaptable in the playoffs. And if they lost game two at home, that series was over in th- oh, yeah. four or five. I mean, you, he knew the stakes. He knew like that was as much of a must-win game as any game two possibly could be. Um, Giannis, I think, was much more aggressive going to the basket. He had 18 free throw attempts that game compared to 10 in game one. Also, Middleton, Which was still good. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. And like Middleton, he, I, I don't know what it is against the Celtics, but he just loves going supernova against this team. Seven of ten from three point range. Are you kidding me? Yeah, and that was the same way last year too. Yeah, he was just yeah, he was ridiculous. It's so good. I love it. But also, I mean, they did put Nico in the starting lineup in game two to give them more spacing, which I think helped. I think Bud made a lot of smart adjustments. Also, mm. like if you're the Celtics, you could rest on Kyrie Irving is not going four of eighteen from the field again. Right. Hopefully. Or if he does, you're screwed either way. Yeah. Uh, Tatum's the interesting one because he just hasn't done much in this series yet. I mean, he's 4 of 17 from the field, 4.5 points, 5.5 rebounds a game. Like, this is the guy that carried them within one game of the finals last year. Mm-hmm. And Jonathan Jarks had a good column today at the Ringer about how he kind of needs to start emulating Chris Middleton. He's like, just look across... Look across the uh, court, and you can see the type of guy you should be. Yes, you could be that primary scorer on a different team. Like, if he gets traded to the Pelicans this summer, he could be a 25-point-per-game scorer next year. But on a Celtics team where there aren't as many shots to go around, he needs to round out his game and contribute in other ways. Defense, rebounding, passing, which we just haven't seen yet. So I'm wondering if that changes at all, or if that, I mean... Who, I don't know. I think it's a fair point. I, I will argue this, though. Tatum is not in the same stratosphere as a passer as Chris Middleton. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Sharks is saying that. It was like Middleton in year two of his career was not where he is now. Like, he, yeah. he fought a lot of the same tendencies early on that Tatum did. He was just saying, like, that's the guy to model yourself after going forward. If you're gonna stay on the Celtics team, ah, if okay. you're going I got to you. like still play with Kyrie and Horford and Brown and all the and right. Hayward and all these other guys who also need to 
you know, you're not going to get 30 shots on this team. Okay, well, I need to check out that piece for sure. Yeah, okay. it was yeah, good. That's interesting. That was good. Um, it's a good idea. I mean, look, you can't really go wrong if you're Chris Middleton, like if you're emulating Chris Middleton. Like, yeah. Where's that weakness? Middleton is able to score on the block, pull up from mid-range, you know, stretch the court, gets to the line. He can defend. He can rebound. He can play make. And he's a low turnover player. Mm-hmm. Like he he's a what you call a low volume superstar, right? Yeah, in that for sure. sense. Like, and um, but but yeah, I mean, obviously, he's still a supporting cast player because mm-hmm. he's not he's never going to be the leading man, nor should he be, because I don't think his game will support a significantly higher bump in in volume. Tatum, it seems, is very hell bent on that. Like the Kobe thing seems to really <laughs> be a thing with him. Yeah. Which, you know, it, it could go either way. I mean, I, and he's what twenty one, yeah, or twenty, yeah, yeah. So at some point, he could wake up one morning and go, you know what? I I like to be a kind of Kobe Bryant, but I want to be more efficient. <laughs> right. I want to actually be a smarter Kobe Bryant. Yeah. That that would be a step forward. Um. To to turn back to game one, by the way. So Kyrie had those three just insane mid-range shots, remember? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That were just, they were clean, and yeah. he didn't even see the basket. Yeah. In my opinion, those three shots changed game one. Mm. Because did you see how the Bucks reacted after each and every one of those shots? Oh, yeah. Like, they, they were just like, oh, we, we did everything there. <laughs> right. Like that, yeah. that was so deflating. Like, he was running down the shot clock. They thought they had him, and then he just... Nailed and it was cotton, right? I mean, mm. whew. I think that's where it just flipped because the Celtics are so good at feeding off of Kyrie. Like when he's going, they just get a, bu- a bunch of energy and they start going. And it seems like he's just, he's that emotional leader, which is weird to say considering, <laughs> you know, the controversy earlier right. in the year. Right. But, but at least from an on court perspective, when he gets going, everyone seems to follow suit. Yeah. So when he's struggling game two, you know, there wasn't that added level of of energy to going to go around Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i mean it i don't have like as many like raptor sixers i think there are some like clear schematic things that i would i you know you can pick out so far what's changed from game one to game three and what do you expect in game four i guess just because we we have one fewer data point with the rest of these series it's harder to say and we'll get to denver portland shortly which is I have no idea what to expect from that series. But yeah, like the, <laughs> this one, I mean, we saw the adjustments Bud made in game two. Boston is now coming back home. You can yeah. reasonably expect, I mean, role players, the theory is always tend to shoot better at home. So you can probably expect bigger nights from the Marcus Morris and Terry Rozier types. Um, you know, Rozier was two of 10 in game two. And <laughs> a far cry from the guy who tore up the playoffs last year i still i mean i think i picked bucks in six uh coming into this series and i'm not gonna lie after game one i was shook and i was like oh my god this is happening again just everything is falling into place for boston i still want to stick with bucks in six for now but i i could easily be talked into seven and that i mean the celtics could win this series like i think the, the common theme through this first week of the second round is that pretty much every team, like it wouldn't totally shock me if any of these teams and emerge victorious with the possible exception of Houston, but that's just because they're down 2-0. But 
But, like, right. all of these other series still feel very up in the air. Even, like, Toronto-Philly. I know Philly smacked them in Game 3. But if Toronto comes back and wins Game 4, they steal home court back, and this Game 3 win means nothing. You oh, know? yeah. No, no. There's none of these series that are just, like, outside of Golden State and Houston that that are out of the real or out of, you know, of possibility for, yeah. for the team that's down. No, absolutely not. Uh, here's the thing for me. You know, I've been I've been talking about Giannis all season long. The mm-hmm. fact that you can replace Sterling Brown with Nikola Mirotic in the starting lineup mm-hmm. just further points to the flexibility that you have with Giannis. The yeah. fact that he's so positionless. Like, you effectively replaced a two-guard with a power forward. Mm-hmm. And you just slided or slid down Giannis to the three. And then Middleton to the two. Mm-hmm. Having those two guys with so much flexibility, Giannis especially, who can play five positions, I just that's the one I, I'm keep just keeping. I'm, I'm leaning on. That's yeah. the that's the part that makes me believe that they'll come out victorious. Yeah. The fact that they have a superstar you can literally slot in at every position, <laughs> right. and then you have the, your secondary star you can slide in at what three positions at least? Middleton, yeah, I yeah, think, yeah. You could reasonably put him anywhere from two to four. Exactly. So I mean, what what it comes down to for me is the role players. Like Ersan Ilyasova mm-hmm. needs to hit shot. Uh, Brooke Lopez needs to be more of a factor. You know, Pat Connaughton shouldn't take seven shots a game. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and Sterling Brown has shot ten percent for the series. I mean, in thirty five minutes, which it, which is pretty big. Yeah. So you need the role players to step up. I would also like to see Eric Bledsoe get mo- going a little bit. Mm. Like I want him to see. I, I want to see him take this matchup against Kyrie a little bit more personally. Yeah. Well, especially given what Rogier did to him last year. Oh, right. Yeah. It, it like, punked him. Yeah. I yeah, mean, that's true. Yeah. I, I think Bledsoe is taking it personally, and he did play a lot better in game two. I mean, he had, mm-hmm. you know, 21.7 and 12 shooting, five assists, two blocks. Right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he needs to really assert himself and make up for what happened last year. I think... Also, Brogdon is out for Game 3, but it sounds like his return may be somewhat imminent. Now, it's unfair to expect him to come in and play 35 minutes a game right away. I don't, yeah. I don't think that's going to happen, but he could be a difference maker, whereas you know we talked before the series about him being out versus Marcus Smart. Still doesn't sound like Marcus Smart is near a return. Um, so I'm, I'm intrigued to see, no matter what happens in Game 3, if... Brogdon comes back in game four. Like, all Milwaukee has to do is win one game in Boston, and they take home court back. Yep. You know, it's it. the pressure is right back on Boston to hold serve right now. Well, I mean, again, because if Boston comes out and defends home court just in game, you know, in game three, yeah. and they do it convincingly, yeah. that, again, these this context matters. But but then again, we said that after game one. We were like, oh, the Bucks. Oh, no. So <laughs> right, maybe right. this is going to be one of those weird series that we see every once in a while where it's like a blowout followed up by a blowout and yeah. it just changes. Yeah, The playoff yo-yo is so wild. It's like I forget about it every year, but you just get so high after every win and so low after every loss. It's like, oh, season's over. We lost one game. And then two yeah. games later, it's like, <laughs> we're winning five titles. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, do you? Would you? If it, let's say the Bucks lose this series, right? Yeah. And let's say Giannis plays much like he has right now, so he finishes with like you know a twenty-five point average, nine rebounds, so significantly less than in the regular season, right? Mm-hmm. 
do you do you hold that against him oh. or do you look at that as being the moment yeah. where he takes that i don't know something you know a, a sense of desperation or he he just takes that and he wraps it into himself and then he comes back next year and he's even an even bigger monster than the issue this year yeah i i think yeah. no matter if they don't win the title however they go out if if he gets exploited in any way he's going to use that as fuel the whole summer and he's just going to come back even better next year so i, I almost hope they do win the title so he gets complacent <laughs> <laughs> which i i don't think would happen even if they win the title i think he's still going to come back better next year but like i just hope that no team exploits his weaknesses like the Celtics did to Ben Simmons last year because I think Giannis has proven over the past half decade he could just like evolve every offseason <laughs> and become so much better. But I, I thought you were going to ask if they lost this series, like what is it? What do they do with their free agents? And I think no matter oh, what, you, yeah. you got to bring the whole. You, you got to bring Middleton back. You got to bring most of these guys back, or else you're going to really piss off Giannis. Yeah, they already re-signed Bledsoe, so, right, I mean, right. yeah. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. All right, let's move to Nuggets Blazers now. Another one tied 1-1. The Nuggets, the first game, it was just funny because, like, we had seen a lot of kind of defensive slugfests, like really just hard-fought games in the first few games of the, the second round. And then Nuggets Blazers is just like, everybody's jacking threes and everyone's hitting shots and no one's playing yeah. defense. <laughs> but then game two was an actual slugfest before, between yeah. these two teams. 97-90, Portland wins. So they're going back to Portland, tied 1-1. This, as I said before, like I I don't know what adjustments Denver makes aside from like hit more open shots because they missed so many in game two. But then at the same time, Portland couldn't get a rebound in the fourth quarter to save its life. It, I, I was just like, everything, Portland should have won that game by so much more, but Denver had like 20-plus offensive rebounds. Mm-hmm. It was 23, yeah. It was It was like, I don't know what to take away from that game aside from like, both of these things feel like such outliers. Like, right. I don't think... Denver is going 6 of 29 from 3 again, but I also don't think they're going to pull in 23 offensive rebounds. Exactly, and that's the way you should look at it. So basically, if you add those two up in your own way, you can say, well, you know, one you know, kind of flattens out the other. Yeah. So so the win, it's the rightful winner. Right, right. Um, I, I'm dicking this series. 
Yeah. I'm digging it. I These are two teams I absolutely love to watch. And so, so I'm going to bring something up that I think is interesting, right? Okay. I think Ennis Cantor is proving now mm. that you can actually, that we shouldn't be as low on scoring big men who play near the basket as we maybe are, you know, as an NBA community. Right. Are, are you throwing shade at Billy Donovan for his can't play Cantor comments? No, not necessarily, because in that context and during that series, I think yeah. there's definitely some truth to it. But it, it seems like that nowadays we kind of just you know turn our noses up at the sky for you know against for, for against big men who can give you like twenty and ten right on on high efficiency. Because remember, Kendrick can also hit free throws. Yeah. He, like he finishes with a high field goal percentage and he, and free throw percentage, and we kind of like poo poo that kind of player. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we should. I think there he's proven this these playoffs when he's uh, replaced Yusuf Nurkic that he is a very very capable basketball player. Mm-hmm. He has changed the the entire face of the series against the Thunder, and I think his interior presence here against Denver has also been significant. I I think it's time that we start giving those guys a little bit more respect. Yeah. Well, so that's I mean, Cantor has impressed me as well throughout the whole playoffs. Really, like I, I right. thought when Nurkic went down, that was it for Portland, lights out. And Cantor has come in and played very well. He's earning himself a lot of money this summer. Totally yep. agree with all of that. I do wonder if like these two series in particular, because Stephen Adams is more of a traditional low post big, isn't a huge scoring threat, isn't a stretch five at all. And even Jokic, I know he's like so unconventional as a five, but he's still not a super quick guy. He's not going to crush you with post moves. He's going to beat you more as a passer. He right. can hit the three, but you know he, he's just not like fleet of foot, <laughs> like like an Embiid or even an Al Horford. So I wonder if these are just two surprisingly good matchups for Cantor. And then if you look ahead to the next, like say they get past the Nuggets. And the Warriors are waiting in the next round. I think he's. We're gonna have a rude awakening with Cantor, but you're right. Like in the playoffs, are just all about matchups in general. And if you have a guy like Boban was great against the Nets, and he hasn't played a single minute in the last two games outside of garbage time because he just matches up really poorly with the Raptors. If right. you've got a Cantor who matches up really well with some bigs and not well with others. That's fine. He still has value in those circumstances when he does match up. Well. Mm. No, I, I I agree entirely. I I'm just looking at it because when you take when you talk about players, especially centers that are maybe not you know strong defenders, right? Mm-hmm. And if they have a well established offensive game and they can rebound, you're still they're still providing you with two out of three major. Uh, aspects that contributes to winning basketball, scoring yeah. and rebounding, both right. crucial elements. And I, th- what I'm arguing is we've reached a point now where if a big is not a unicorn or it can't hit 40% from downtown, it's like, oh, he's not worth hanging on to. Right, like, I'm right, not even right. want to give him, give him the, the, the minimum. Like it's, and I feel that's, I can't, I feel cancer has really, you know, come out and proven that there is, there is value. I, I get that it's matchup dependent, yeah. and I absolutely agree with you that he wouldn't average twenty and eight against you know Clint Capella mm-hmm. and the Rockets, for example. I get that, but you can't convince me that he wouldn't get you like fifteen and eleven, and still a somewhat decent field goal percentage and getting to the line like drawing fouls. My point is, you know, when you look at a guy like Greg Monroe, mm-hmm. like you know, the, if you gave him the minutes, 
I get I realize he's not necessary because they you know <laughs> yeah I mean he's older he's not as good as he was but if you took it like a couple years back you could have given him more minutes like that type of player does still have value in the grand scheme of things you must not have seen his <laughs> missed layup in game three <laughs> that Jimmy Butler afterward put on a fake reporter voice and asked him how did it feel to botch that layup to which and that was ex- <laughs> that was exactly why I hesitated to yeah. years back yeah <laughs> to which Monroe responded you're gonna get these hands <laughs> you're gonna get me thrown out of the league for beating you up <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I no. mean it, it's a fair point like because even if Cantor let's say they were attacking him more re- relentlessly with pick and rolls and I think again this is these are two good matchups for him because against OKC they were just dropping him back and daring Westbrook to shoot, which is fine. Like, that's great strategy. And against Denver, you're not going to, they're not a traditional 1 5 pick and roll team because really they've run the inverse. They run a lot of 5 1 pick and rolls where Jokic right. is the ball handler or the passer. Uh, so, again, like, it works out really well for him, but still, like, he deserves all of the credit for keeping them competitive in this series. And, I mean, another guy who I did not see at all coming, which Could? I get, yeah, yeah, I should have, because I mean, both of these teams are structured somewhat the same, at least in terms of like where their proportion of points are coming from. They have both really good backcourts. I mean, Portland's got the advantage there, but like Murray and Harris are both very good players and high scoring potential. They both expect a lot out of their center. And then they don't expect much out of their wings, whether it's Aminu or Harkless for Portland, or, I mean, they, they've been starting Tory Craig and Millsap. He's just kind of like an all-around guy. You're not necessarily expecting him to pour in a huge number of points, even Malik right. Beasley. Um, but yeah, Rodney Hood's been great coming off the bench in this series. He's been hitting shots. That's the difference. Like yeah. he was taking those shots as well against OKC, and they weren't dropping at the same rate. And that this is one of the, my points regarding shot making. Mm-hmm. Like he is one of those guys who'll get minutes if his shot is falling. Yeah, and if it's not, you just put him back, you know, on the bench, and that's fine. Like he's one of those guys. And right now he's hitting, and it's opening up the court for everyone. And to be fair, that's also benefiting Cantor. So yeah. you know, Hood has had an effect there. Now, if Alfaro Gamino. Yeah. starts hitting shots because he was great against OKC. Mm-hmm. Like if he starts mimicking that series again, now we're cooking if you're Portland. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, so here's the question going into game three is there were a, a number of notable casualties in game two. Harkless sprained his ankle. Tory right. Craig broke his nose and was bleeding everywhere and then comes out like Bane an hour later in the mask. And he's... He played in game two. I'm assuming he's playing in game three. Even Jamal Murray, it looks like he he has a thigh, presumably a contusion, just like a thigh bruise that he suffered in round one and then aggravated in game two. He's kind of limping down the floor, but you got to assume he's going to play too. Mm-hmm. So Denver should be at full strength in terms of personnel. Now Craig may be affected by the mask or Murray may be affected by the thigh or whatever. If Harkless can't go, what do you do if you're Portland? Who do you? Jake Lehman took his minutes and started the second half of Game Three. Do you stick with him? Do you go with Hood in the starting lineup? Do you go Evan Turner? 
What do you do? I go with Seth Curry, man. Ooh. I go super small. Ooh. I go Dame, Seth Curry, CJ at the at the one, two, and three. Interesting. Because you know Seth has not shot well this series. He's yeah. he's only taken seven shots so far, like two of seven, but mm. very very small sample size. But he's one of those guys who can get extremely hot extremely quickly. And if you have three guys running around in circles just jacking up threes and hitting them in Dame, CJ, and Seth, and then you have Hood coming in off the bench. I don't want to bring him into the starting lineup. I think they need that punch off the bench. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I think he'll do just fine. And and if, yeah, uh, Mole Harkless, you lose defensive intensity. Mm-hmm. Like He was really good against OKC as well. Yeah. And I, I'm... I think he's a you know he he was starting to round out his game a little bit here against Denver. He wasn't doing anything high volume, but when he was taking shots, it was aggressively. He was you know even playmaking a little bit. So he's actually a bigger loss than most make it out to be. For sure. Um, and and he's also a switchy wing, so you lose that by you know, yeah Curry or or Hood, who's not a switchy wing <laughs> wing defensively. Yeah. Jake Lehman, I don't think is a great defender either. Evan Turner used to be now he's well now he's basically what we talked about like we in terms of the center who could score but not defend just the wing version of that because right. he can't shoot right um so so yeah i would go with seth curry because he's not a high volume minutes player yeah. so you can afford to take him into the starting lineup and still keep your bench unit somewhat intact yeah it's interesting i was yeah i mean i i agree with you you got to keep hood and the scoring punch coming off the bench Right, and I like Turner coming off the bench just because he's better with the ball in his hands, and you don't want to have him clashing with Dame and CJ. So it right, it really does come down to Layman or Curry, I guess. And that the whole point is like that could end up swinging a game or two in this series if Harkless misses. Like that, you you said it yeah. well. That is a sneaky big loss for them. Um, all in all, this this one just feels like it's going seven. Like I have no read on this series whatsoever, but I would love that. Yeah, that's fine. I, I it, know. It, because you know, even though they didn't hit shots in game two, it's good basketball. Yeah, like the execution of this, or, or rather, sorry, the setup was good. The execution <laughs> just lacked in terms of hitting, converting the shots. But like, it, these are two very, very smart basketball teams. Yeah, yeah. The, I'd say all four of these series in the second round have been really fun so far and have been living up to expectations. I know it's early still. Well, <laughs> I disagree with you on this series that we're about to talk about. Okay, well, let's just go into that then. Are you tired of not earning anything on your hard-earned money? Your path to more money starts with a certificate from Pathways Financial Credit Union. Right now, earn a 2.68% annual percentage yield on a 60-month certificate with a minimum balance of just $500. Great rates like this have helped make Pathways the fastest-growing credit union in Ohio over the last 10 years. Earn more on your money. Stop by any convenient location or check us out at PathwaysCU.com. Pathways is federally insured by the NCUA. At Pathways Financial Credit Union, we know things come up that might require extra family funds. You could use the equity in your home to help pay for almost anything from home improvements to a family vacation. Our home equity line of credit has rates and payments much lower than a traditional loan or credit card. Find out why Pathways is the fastest growing credit union in Ohio over the last 10 years. Visit one of our convenient locations or check us out at pathwayscu.com. Offer of credit is subject to credit approval. Pathways is an equal opportunity lender and is federally insured by the NCUA. 
Warriors Rockets. The Warriors are up 2-0. Mm-hmm. Uh, the big story coming out of Game One was the officiating. There have been you know, Sam Amick of the Athletic and then Zach Lowe and I believe Ramona Shelburne of ESPN both published stories afterward about how the Rockets have been tracking this for at least since the last Western Conference Finals, but I think even right. before that, that you know they've gone back. They you got you guys know how like the last two minute reports get released publicly the nba has a full like 48 minute report for teams that request it so the rockets requested them for all the western conference finals last year and found that like they were at a double digit points deficit in terms of missed calls in six of the seven games they were complaining a lot after game one about the whole landing space idea where you know james harden takes a three and then they close out on him and you got to give him space to land, but he's also kicking out his legs and landing three feet ahead of where he yawn, shot it. Yawn, yeah. yawn, yawn. Yeah. So at least in game two, officiating wasn't the story. Instead, it was Draymond's bear paw scratching James Harden's eye inadvertently, yeah. him having vision troubles. And, you know, he did come back to his credit and actually played pretty well. Like he was mm-hmm. still hitting step back threes, even though he couldn't see the basket, which is, kind of absurd yeah um, oh that's that's full-on absurd yeah but i mean again it, these have been two close wins for the warriors but they mm-hmm. have won both this is so going into game three this is it for the rockets if they don't win this one this thing's over in five yeah i would agree i don't enjoy this series solely because of all the refing debate because it's all the time even during the telecasts yeah yeah. I'm I mean I'm this close to just muting every Houston Rockets Golden State game henceforth. You totally should. Yeah, I really should. It's I am so tired of the debate. I think it's ruining the series. Yeah. I'm not enjoying it because every single time I watch these teams like even in the regular season, it's always about the officiating, officiating, officiating. Just shut the f up. <laughs> I mean and, and, you know, I get that Daryl Morey is upset. And, you know, I think it's fair that, you know, Houston is upset about, you know, they feel that they lost uh, Game 7 last year because of bad calls. Mm-hmm. Like, I would understand that. But at the end of the day, you know, teams get screwed out of calls all the time. Like, yeah. it's perfectly normal, unfortunately. It shouldn't be, but the officiating crew is you know is still human and i realized that i racked on them for game one against you know buck celtics but that went both ways and i'm still a firm believer that when it comes to like the loss of averages i don't think you know a certain team is ultimately screwed out of calls more than anyone else right so i've been trying to think of a way to phrase this and i might screw it up so i apologize in advance but the rocket's whole strategy is to have Harden draw fouls, which Correct. makes which makes sense because he's very he's a great free throw shooter first of all, and he can even you know he hits a lot of these three end ones which is great, but you're putting that into someone else's hands like you're putting your fate into the hands of the referees, whereas if you just focus on actually making shots, you control your own fate more, which is. Right. You know, I don't want this to be a the Warriors play the basketball the right way debate. Like I saw Marcus Thompson of the Athletic tweeted that about he has a story about like Steph Curry isn't like Harden. He doesn't complain about the refs, and everyone's like three weeks ago he literally called the referee the MVP, 
at, while he was whining about missed calls in the post-game press conference. Yep. Like, yep. both of these teams are whiny, and you're right. Like, the officiating storyline has prevailed a lot throughout this series. I mean, it, w- it was not a good sign when the morning of Game 2, Rockets-Warriors, Scott Foster is trending on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> like that's not what the nba wants uh and i think to their credit the the refs did a very good job calling game two pretty fairly like i i i agree game one there were a couple times where even i was like "Ooh, they did infringe upon his landing spot and i think they were much better about that in game two but i don't know it, it just feels like if you're 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 kind of just tempting the fates here like you're relying on referees to call the game a certain way and if they don't it gives you something to complain about later but you're you're still relying on someone else to do something in your favor right i don't know i it, it's worked for them it's gotten them this far but i think the warriors also deserve a lot of credit in this series like Draymond green looks like prime Draymond Green in the series. I don't know what's going on there. Like, where did that come from? What about an icky as well? You know what? It's so typical because I wrote a piece on my Danish patron where I was like, you know what? It's time. Like, it's time to move on from Iggy. Like, because he's he's just gotten older. And I do think he's, like, he has slowed down athletically. Sure. He has. I mean, that's, yeah. But he's just kind of (laughs) found himself a little second win there here in the second round. Yeah. And... Yeah, I mean he's he's been very very good. I I'm the fact that he's averaging 15 points a game. Mm-hmm. I di- I did not know that he had that in him because he's <laughs> been more or less a complete and utter non-scorer since practically joining the Warriors. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this this came out of nowhere given his age. Like he's what 35? Yeah. I I think it comes back to the 82 game player versus the 16 game player and I think the Warriors have a bunch of 16 game players. I think they've you know, they've won th- so many titles in the last few years. They've been to the finals four straight years. It's hard to get motivated for a game against the Phoenix Suns in the middle of January when you're the Warriors. Like, they suffer a lot of bad, unfocused losses during the regular season because after you're win- coming off winning two straight rings, you're not thinking about the middle of January. You're thinking about June. You're thinking about June right. the entire time, and you're just trying to pace yourself through and stay healthy and just make sure you make it to the playoffs in one piece. So now, even in the first round, you know, they the Clippers take them to six games and everyone's like, "What's wrong with the Warriors?" It's the Warriors. It, it's it's always the Warriors versus themselves. Like they have mm. the best top-end talent in the league. They're the two-time defending champions. When they are focused, they are the best team bar none. And yeah. because of what happened in the Western Conference Finals last year, I think Houston has their respect more than definitely more than any other team in the West. I would I would assume they'll respect whoever comes out of the East just because East has a lot of good teams this year. But yeah. like Houston had their attention from game one tip off. They knew this series is the de facto Western Conference Finals. Like if they win this series, whoever they play, I think it's gonna be funny if they win this series in like four or five games. And then the Western Conference Finals goes to like six or seven just because they're unfocused again. Like they, you know, I think they're going to start dicking around again in the next series and like lose a game just because they're not locked in. But they are locked the F in on this series. And Kevin Durant in particular, 
ever since his whole like you know who i am i'm kevin durant it's like oh <laughs> okay yeah we we got the reminder katie thank you yeah. you're you yeah. know he's averaging like 30 i think almost close to 40 points a game over his last five or so games yeah it was pretty good late 30s at least yeah yeah so here's the thing i i love that he, he had to go that route like here's the thing you and i and I, i'm yeah i'm patting uh, uh you know i'm patting ourselves on the back here i am i'm patting us on the back we have been consistently saying throughout the past two years at the very least that katie is still the same player yeah just because he made the decision of going to golden state which you know you can say whatever you want about that he's still one of the what at worst top five players in the league yeah at worst yeah and absolutely one of the top two if not the best raw scorer in the league yep and for some reason everyone seems to just be down on him going well he you know you had to you join up with this team to be effective no no you put kevin durand on any team in this league and he would be buckets right buckets he's always this good and at the end of the day i think right now he's he's trying to assert himself and to the point where the warriors go as far as he wants them to go Mm mm-hmm I don't know if he's actively trying to overshadow Steph Curry, but if he is, then it's a pretty good thing that Curry doesn't care. Oh, that's that is a fun conspiracy theory. No, I mean what I'm I'm just trying to point out that yeah. you know Curry has been the headliner for so long. Yeah, everyone's been using this narrative that you'll never get the same love here as you know as Steph, yada yada yada, and I think Durant is kind of giving people a big. You know, middle finger and going. You know what? I can do this just as well as the just as well as the six three guy. Right. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's he's been unstoppable in this series, and he's really kept them in. I mean, there there were a couple times, especially in game one, where it looked like the Rockets were really starting to generate momentum, and he just has these the impeccable timing of any time they're about to start going, or it looks like they're about to start going on a run. It's just like, okay, I'm gonna take over. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not letting you get momentum here. I mean, Steph hasn't shot that well in this series. 11 of 28 overall, 6 of 23 from 3. If not for KD, they're probably going to Houston down 0-2. Yeah, that's the most frightening thing. They've made just 9 threes a game Yeah, on average over the first two games. Yeah. And they're up 2-0. Yeah. Like the Warriors of all teams. Yeah. That's that's when you know you're sitting pretty yeah. because when they start hitting like just a regular percentage, that's game over. Now you actually touched on something that I just want to close this pot off with. You said that they had you know Houston's you know respect, mm-hmm. or no sorry that they respected Houston right? right 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 yeah 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 okay and they may they may not respect you know Portland or Denver mm-hmm. that's coming out of the other series. I think that that feeling's mutual. I think we've reached a point now where other Western Conference teams, especially like the ones like Denver and Portland, are like, you know what? We don't care about Golden State anymore. We've heard about Golden State for four years. Mm. I don't care anymore. I'm I'm coming out there and I'm beating the living snot out of them. Like yeah. I, that, that, you know, Western Conference Finals, assuming, you know, as they should, Golden State moves on. Right. I think you called it. I think that's going to be an absolute dogfight, regardless yeah. of who they meet, Portland or Denver. 
it it's hard to say just because especially Denver got waxed a lot by Golden State in the regular season, but especially I think the last two matchups they had Boogie and he was healthy and Boogie took it to Jokic. So like the Warriors are super top heavy right now. It's mm-hmm. it's the Hamptons five, it's a little bit of Livingston and Looney, and that is it. Yep. So they are playing with fire a little bit, but this is also how it goes in the playoffs. Your rotations get shortened and depth is not as important as it is during the regular season if you have the top end talent to, you know, play forty plus minutes a game. Like KD's right. averaging forty three point six in this series. And what does that say about Jordan Bell? Yeah. That's not great. No. It says Jordan Bell should... I hope he's renting. I hope he didn't buy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So, obviously, Rockets game three, this is a must win for them. Do you think they pull it off and make this closer, more competitive, or do you think the Warriors go up 3-0? I think Houston will probably take game three. And they'll drop game four, and then it's series over. Lights out in five. Yeah, I think so. <sighs> it's yeah. I mean, it, I want this thing to go longer, and I want the referee controversy to just move, go away. Yeah, move further in the past so we can enjoy the basketball because it really has been high level basketball from both teams, other than the whining. But <laughs> unfortunately, there's a lot of whining here. So I'm with you in saying the Rockets take game three and. I, I mean, maybe that's naive. Like, I think the Warriors are going to go into that game three knowing, like, this is our chance to put our foot on their throat. Like, if we yep. go up 3-0, it's over. But if we go up 2-1, it's suddenly a series again. So I I, I think game three is going to be a war zone for both teams. But What network airs game three? Is it still ESPN? I believe, uh, no, it might be ABC. It is ABC. It's ABC, oh, yeah. but but it's like Mark Jackson and... Oh, yeah, I think so. <sighs> mute? Yeah. <laughs> Put it on mute? Yeah, because you know what? Just the fact that they're on the mic, that means the whole refing uh, oh, yeah. controversy is going to be brought up for like 48 minutes. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Yep. And then Mark's going to talk about, oh, well, when I was the coach at Golden State, they could have done this and this and this. It's like, ah, yeah. okay, yeah. Mark. That's we we get it. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, when are they gonna make Dorisburg like call the games and stuff, Mark? Oh, like just they, they, it could not happen soon enough, right? I wanted the Lakers to hire Mark Jackson just so they were forced into it, but and, and also because that would be funny <laughs> as hell, right? Mo- mostly yeah. that, but Most- <laughs> selfishly, so I, I could also get more Dor- Dorisburg in my life. Speaking of, let's finish the pod with that news story. Like Ty Lu apparently looking. Uh, like the new Lakers head coach, which, yep. <laughs> and then Monty Williams to Phoenix. Yeah, I'm, and you I'm know, happy I'm so, Monty. I'm so happy for for Monty. That's a great hire. Yeah. Who do you think the Suns will hire next year? Yeah, I know. Well, at least he got a five year deal, so he's gonna get paid for at least like two or three years not to coach, which is pretty. Sweet. Yeah, it's a good yeah. deal. <laughs> yeah, I I have no faith in Bob Sarver to, in theory, they have the talent, they have another high pick this year. It could be a good situation. I have no faith for, that he's going to keep his hands off. So I I wish Monty nothing but the best. He's yep. By all accounts, he's one of the best guys in the NBA. I hope he has a lot of success there. I'm nervous for him, but at least he avoided mm-hmm. the Lakers mess. Yeah. That's the first thing I thought about as well. Yeah. It's, it's I mean, pretty damning joining a team owned by Bob Sarver 
is more enticing than joining the Lakers right now. That's not great. Yeah. That's that's a good way of ending the pod, I think. Yeah. I, yeah. I think so, too. Uh, so we will be back next week with more reaction from the second round. Let's just hope that all four of these series go seven. Or really, I want the Sixers-Raptors to be over in five because my heart can't take it. But the other three... <laughs> Please go seven. These have been really fun. Hope you guys are enjoying it. Uh, follow us on the NBA pod uh, at the NBA pod on Twitter. Uh, you'll get all of our new episodes there. You can also find our Twitter handles in our bio. So give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes. So please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. We're now being hosted on Spreaker. So check them out on Twitter at Spreaker. Until next time, I'm Brian Tabork, and I was joined as always by Morton Jensen. Mort, we're going to Joel Embiid. Uh, celebration for me for our next episode i want oh oh yeah i'll ask bruce to do that instead okay good yeah airplane wings the steph shimmy the rock the baby we got all of them last night i'll 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 ask bruce to just dance because he'll come up with something crazy and then i'll (laughs) definitely dm you that video good and then i'll dm it to abid and then he will break it out in game four perfect oh because you're just sliding into his dms like yeah casually yeah yeah okay nice (laughs) all right catch you later man the Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Yeah. That's Hugo tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-o! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart thank you progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates discounts not available in all states or situations at pathways financial credit union we know things come up that might require extra family funds you could use the equity in your home to help pay for almost anything from home improvements to a family vacation our home equity line of credit has rates and payments much lower than a traditional loan or credit card find out why pathways is the fastest growing credit union in ohio over the last 10 years visit one of our convenient locations or check us out at pathwayscu.com offer of credit is subject to credit approval pathways is an equal opportunity lender and is federally insured by the NCUA.